the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. A prayer with you. Heavenly Father, beautiful, beautiful cover of the bulletin this morning. And a beautiful word of promise and truth and peace. This is a day that God has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. Glad that he is with us every moment that we ever live on this earth. God's grace, God's mercy, God's peace to we, his children, in our Lord's name, amen. This is my 40th summer in the ministry. May of 1979 was when I was ordained. And every summer from the very beginning, there in Wichita, Kansas, to the current time, I've always liked, during the summer, to take a couple of Old Testament characters and speak about them. I do so this morning. The character's name uh, is Jacob. There are categories of people on this earth. There are the kind and those who are not so kind. There are the selfish and those who are totally unselfish. There are those who wake up in the morning and thank God no matter what circumstance is going on in their life. And there are others, no matter if they have the greatest health and a million dollars in the bank, they are not thankful. They will find something to grumble about always. Jacob, in the Bible there are a number of characters that we meet when they were young. And Jacob is one of them. There is none quite so spoiled or selfish as was this one named Jacob. I don't know how the prodigal son grew up in Luke 15. We aren't told how he grew up. But Jacob would be an example of one who, when he got older, if it wasn't God's watching over him, would have become exactly that. Jacob's universe revolved around one person. It was certainly not his father Isaac, nor was it his brother Esau, nor was it, was it his beloved mother, who the Bible says loved him fiercely and jealously. Nor did the world revolve around God. You would think, since he is the father of the twelve tribes of Israel, that as a young boy, his world would have revolved around God. You'd have thought with Isaac and Rebekah as his mom and dad, his world would have revolved around God. It was not so. The world of Jacob revolved around one person. And that person was Jacob. He lived and breathed and moved and had his being for one person. And that was Jacob. He didn't become so intensely spoiled on his own. His parents had a lot to do with it. 
The Bible says, Genesis 25, 28, Isaac, his father, loved Esau, the firstborn. But Rebekah, his mother, loved Jacob. There's no sadder thing than when a parent picks a child and has a world revolve around that child and the other siblings just stand by the side and listen to the unending praise given to one. That is what happened in this house. For Isaac, Jacob did not exist. And for Rebekah, her oldest boy, Esau, did not exist. Rebecca's love for Jacob was fierce and jealous and possessive. What he wanted, she helped him to get. And if she saw something he should have and he wasn't thinking about it, she pointed straight to it. Trickery and deceit was her methodology. And that which Jacob saw in his mother, he embraced. And he became the same sort of individual. Instead of... uh, Rebecca, being the voice of reason and maturity, she led Jacob down paths which would cause him great harm. Esau came in from the fields one day, his brother, and Esau was famished and sick from hunger, and he said to his brother, Give me some of your stew, Jacob. I'm dying of hunger. And Jacob has a shrewd smile on his lips. Light bulb goes off in his head. Says to his brother, I'll trade you. Give you some of my red stew if you give me something that belongs to you. Esau says, fine. What do you want? He says, I want your birthrights. I want your inheritance. The inheritance of an individual could be worth a thousand dollars, or in the case of Abraham, could be worth a million dollars. And Esau looks at his brother and says, What good is my birthright going to do if I die of hunger? A little exaggeration there. But he said, I'll shake your hand, the deal is made. My birthright for your stew. Esau is no dummy. He's sitting there scheming just like his brother. He's kind of smirking inside because Esau realizes that there are two parts to his inheritance. One is the birthright. One is the blessing. He cannot give away his birthright without his father agreeing to it, and his father never would. The law of Moses would not permit him to give that birthright to anyone else. He knows it. He says to his brother, give you the birthright, knowing full well, as did Jacob, that he could not get it without the consent of his father. And he also knew that there was a second part to the birthright, and that was a blessing. And the blessing could only come from the lips of Isaac. And he knew that Isaac would never pronounce a blessing upon this brother of his, Jacob. Esau knew that that which Jacob schemed for was never going to happen. His mother is a shrewd one. 
She says to her son, We have the birthright from your brother. Now we need the blessing from your father. And Jacob just laughed and said, Mama ain't ever going to happen. Mama said, let me do my work. There came a day when Esau went off to hunt game at the request of his father. His father said, prepare my favorite dish if you don't mind. And Esau left immediately. No sooner does he leave than Rebekah calls Jacob. Says, I'm going to fix the favorite meal of your father. Your father is old, he is blind, he is deaf. And reason has begun to flee his mind. Now is our chance, Jacob. She disguises him, putting animal skins on his hands, arms, shoulders. When your father touches you, he'll feel the hairy skin like your brother has. He will not recognize you as blind. Your voice will not give you away, he cannot hear. This day, the birthright and the blessing becomes yours. And the scheme that was hatched was followed through on. Isaac was a little bit concerned. He said, how come you came back so quickly? And an answer was given, and Isaac accepted it. And he places the blessing on Jacob. The Bible says immediately, that's the word used in the Hebrew, immediately when this had happened, Esau comes walking in with the meal. And he says, Father, here's your favorite dish. And his father is stunned. He's confused for a moment. And then the light bulb goes off on Isaac's head and on Esau's head. And Isaac screamed to the heavens. He says, I have been deceived By my own son. Jacob is nowhere to be seen. His mother is in the shadows listening to the conversation. And she hears her oldest boy say, The day my father dies, I will kill my brother. And I will get the birthright back. I don't know if her gasp was audible or not, but it was there. She runs to Jacob, making sure she is not followed, says to him, Get out of here. Go to my brother's house in Haran and stay there until I tell you it is safe to return. And Jacob leaves his mother, his father, his brother, And he heads to Haran. God is watching everything. The heart of God is broken because he has a special task for Jacob. The Israelites are known as Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the one we're talking about. Their whole history, their whole spirituality is tied in with Abraham, Isaac, and this guy we're talking about, Jacob. And God looks at Jacob and he says about Jacob what he said virtually about everyone in the Bible. King David, adultery with Bathsheba, the murder of Uriah. What in the world are you doing, David? 
Samson, the judge, in Judges 13 through 6, Samson, what in the world are you doing? Abraham, what in the world are you doing? Simon, Peter, what in the world are you doing? As we said with Jacob. And as Jacob heads to Haran, God says, I've had enough. And when Jacob lays down to sleep, halfway to Haran, he has a dream. His dream is prompted by a conscience that for the first time ever is troubled. He has a dream about God. For the first recorded time in Jacob's life, God comes into his existence. God. And the Bible describes Jacob's dream in this way, the end of it. Jacob awoke from his sleep and he said, Surely the Lord God is in this place and I did not know it. He was in my mother and father's house for the 15, 16, 17 years I lived there, but I never felt him. Now, the Lord God is in this place, and I have felt him, and I know him. And then the Bible says that he was very afraid. Why was he afraid? Number one, he thought his brother would hunt him down and kill him. Why was he afraid? Number two, because of what he had become. Because of what he had become. He could not believe he had done to his brother Esau, and even more importantly, he had done to his father Isaac what he had just done. He could not believe how low he had sunk. And thirdly, he was afraid because here was God. He might have fooled Isaac and he might have fooled Esau, but he hadn't fooled God at all. And he realized that for the first time. Jacob is an interesting sort. So deeply ingrained was the belief that life revolved around him that even when God came into his life, it didn't change him severely. Jacob set up an organization. It was called... Jacob and God incorporated. Each would have certain duties. Each would have certain dividends. Jacob put it this way. (laughs) If God will be with me and keep me, if he'll keep me free from harm, if he'll let me live and not let Esau kill me, if God will be with me and keep me, then the Lord shall be my God. If God watches over me, I'll let him be my God. Then he throws in a little carrot for God. He said, God, if you bless me, I'll give you a tenth of what you give me. Arrogance, supreme. God is up there in heaven and he says, I'm glad I'm in Jacob's life, but he really hasn't learned anything yet. How is he going to be the father of the Israelite nation if he is the way he is? He's in uh, Haran for 14 years. Marries Leah, tricked by his uncle, and then marries Rachel, his beloved. And after 14 years, things are beginning to go south because Jacob is becoming a very powerful individual through his own intellect, which God will use well, 
and through his own deceiving nature, which God frowns upon. The Bible says that there came a time when Haran's boys began to detest Jacob. And the Bible says that Jacob himself felt something between him and Laban that had not been there before. His wives said to him, We need to get out of here. This isn't going well. It was God's way of saying to Jacob, Fourteen years on the Lamb, I need you back in Israel because you are going to be the father of the Israelite nation. I need you back there. When uh, Jacob leaves, he steals from his uncle. His uncle chases him for three days. And when he arrives, the quick-witted Jacob says to him, You are nothing until I came. You are everything because I've been with you 14 years. And when I leave, you're going to go back to being nothing. And then he said this. God has blessed you, Laban, through me. God has blessed you because wherever I went, My touch was magic. Whether it was your crops, whether it was the breeding of your cattle and goats, whether it was your servants, whether it was the property I told you to buy, I made you what you were. Laban sends him on his way. And here's where it all changes. He is no longer looking back at Laban. He's got that one all cinched up. He's looking ahead. And for the first time in his life, the Bible says he is filled, in the Hebrew, with a paralyzing fear. His fear is his brother Esau. Fourteen years is not a long time, right? Fourteen years is not a long time. If there was an enemy in your life, and, and uh, five years, ten years, fifteen years have gone by, twenty years have gone by, you just assume that the same enmity exists now as it did then. Fourteen years is not a long time. Jacob is so terrified that his brother is going to kill him that he divides his family into two, he divides his cattle into two, he divides his servants into two, and his money into two, two camps. He says, if my brother Esau with his 400 soldiers, if my brother Esau with his 400 soldiers destroys me, then the other camp can escape and my heritage will continue. He sends his brother servants and cattle. And as soon as he sends them, he says, that was really stupid. My brother's going to know I'm trying to buy him off. That was really stupid. And then he stops thinking. And he gets down on his knees. And he says, God, I am nothing without you. Luke 15 is the prodigal son. This is the prodigal son.
He is so terrified, not by cancer, not by the loss of everything he owns. He is terrified that his brother is going to kill him and everything's going to be lost. The Bible says that God took a human form that night and he wrestled with Jacob all night long. He wrestled with him all night long. It's like Jacob didn't sleep. You and I have had those moments where we don't sleep. And the fears and the worries, the reason we don't sleep is because we're praying to God all night long. I've had a few of those in my time. Praying to God all night long. That's what Jacob was doing. Praying to God all night long. He wrestled with him. And then he said, as the morning came, and God said, the morning has come, I am leaving. Jacob said, you've got to listen carefully now. Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. And when he said that, God did one thing. He touched Jacob's hip, and he dislocated Jacob's hip. And forever after, Jacob walked with a limp. You're saying, Pastor, what do you mean he blessed him by dislocating his hip? I mean this. Jacob would realize from that moment on that his life was in God's hands. And he would not forget the lesson this time. Because when he woke up every morning and when he proceeded through the day and that hip was just killing him, it reminded him of who was in charge, who was watching over him. It was a blessing. At a wedding on Saturday, I was so touched by by the reception. Nettie Schumann's son and daughter-in-law, Connie and I are the reception. And the bride stands up, and she's a music teacher, and like nine months ago, she lost hearing in one ear. How are you a music teacher if you can't hear in one ear? And she stands up at that wedding, and she says, God. She says, God. First words out of her mouth. God has been with me the entirety of my life. God brought Stephen into my life. God was with me during this matter of the hearing and what I would do from now on with my profession. She preached a sermon. You would rather have her up here than me because her sermon was only three or four minutes. She knew when to land the plane. She looked at this disability from God. She looked at the hardships of her life and she said, God has been with me Every step of the way. I will ask you a hard question. Some difficulty, some trial, some intense sadness, some nightmare in your life. Did it convince you that God was real? It did, Connie and I and Joshua and Jonathan. Did something in your life Your house foreclosed on, you lose your job, your wife dies at age 38, leaves you with three children. Did something in your life make you realize that God is real? It did for Jacob. And when he got up and he walked towards Esau and his 400 soldiers, there was a peace in him 
That could have been there no other way except the God who had touched his hip and dislocated it was the same God he knew was going to watch over him. You tell me how Esau could have said 14 years earlier, I'm going to kill him. And 14 years later, he runs to Jacob and embraces him with great love. Two miracles, a dislocated hip and a hate-filled brother's heart, understandably so, changed by the grace of God. I bring the title into play at the very end of the message instead of at the beginning. God can change you and he can change me. Just look at Jacob. And 15 years later, the father of the Israelite nation comes forth out of the crucible of fire as God's chosen man. Let me have a prayer with you as you rise. Heavenly Father, we have wrestled with God. Some people don't wrestle with God when something bad happens, they walk away from him. Some people wrestle with God and then they say, I'm going to walk away, I've wrestled long enough with him. And other people wrestle with God through some circumstance that has come in their life. And when they emerge the other side of that nightmare, they see one person standing there, and that is God. And they realize that everything in their life revolves around him. Be with all of your children on this earth, Lord. May our trials bring us closer to you. May they not drive us away from you. In our Savior's name, amen. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.